We're live in three, two... We're live, Yeti. Welcome in to episode 147, your host, Slapdog. And as I just mentioned his name, I have Yeti here today for Wednesday's live show. Thursday, if you're listening on a podcast platform of your choice. Yeti, how you doing, brother? Good to see you. Good, man. Happy hump day. Happy Thursday, Thursday, if you're listening on Thursday. Or Freaky Friday, if you're listening on Friday. Oh, God. Now we're just getting out of control. Yeah, we got another week under our belt and getting ready for week 11. We do. This is the trade deadline, Yeti. This is in most fantasy leagues. This is the uh, the beginning of the end for a lot of teams, and that's the unfortunate reality that is fantasy football. So the trade deadline is the last week to try and make any adjustments, make any trades with any other fantasy teams to right your ship, to get it moving in that right direction. And unfortunately for depending on how many people you are playing with, uh, your team is either going to make it or not make it into the playoffs. And that's what we're here to do today is to try and help people get into the playoffs. If you're if you're a fringe team, now look, if Yeti, if you are 0-10, I, I don't think there's a world in which any team's going to make it into the playoffs at 0-10 at this point. But if you're one of those fringe teams, you have some good players, you have some and players, we're going to talk about some, uh, some last-minute trade targets or sells to... to try and improve your fantasy team. So that's what we're going to do here today. Before we do that, and of course, we're also, I, I would like to mention, we're going to do the Brain Busters at the end. So if anybody has any questions, go over to YouTube, submit your comments, and uh, we will answer them at the end of the show. Before we do any of that, Yeti, we have to talk about Monday night's game because there was a lot that has happened within the Bills organization. Obviously, everybody under the sun knows that the Broncos beat the Bills on Monday night football, which was uh, not something I expected. I, I mean, I don't think anybody really expected this no. to happen at all. No. And I, I, the first thing before, I, there's a lot to talk about with the Bills. There's a lot that, that I want to talk about with the Bills. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about Javante Williams for just a moment. This He has had three straight games with over 15 total touches. That is uh, a great look for Javante Williams coming back off injury for that ACL and has been rather lackluster most of the season. I present you with this question before we before I do want to discuss the Bills at length, but and I know that we kind of have some other conversation after the Bills as far as trade targets, but is Javante Williams a potential buy for you at this point? His end of season schedule is actually somewhat favorable. He's got Houston, the Chargers, New England, and the Chargers again, which are all pretty fun for uh, going against a running back as far as putting up points. And then you have the Vikings, the Browns, and the Lions. So is he a potential trade target this late in the season, you think? I think so, man. Um, You know, I'm a Raiders homer, obviously. If you can see us, I have Raiders shit all over. But I will give Broncos a lot of credit for turning around their offense because when they started the season, it looked like they were kind of struggling. You know, Sean Payton was trying to get his, his plays in, and him and Russ were kind of struggling. But... I will say in the second half of the season, they've turned it around quite a bit, and Russ looks good, and I'm that helps Javante's case, obviously. Javante Williams was coming off ACL surgery. There is some some recovery time with that, especially when you're fully cleared, right? You're not going to be 100% after three, four weeks in the NFL. It's going to take more time to get your body right, get it ready for the season, but um he's he's looked great the past three games that he's played in and, and he's got a full workload 
So I, I would. Do you think it's because him. Russell Wilson is lackluster at the quarterback position, and they're just trying to get the ball in their playmakers' hands? Is that is that a fair assessment or argument? Yeah, you could say that. I, I mean, Russ isn't doing anything sexy, um, but I will say he's playing turnover-free football, which is great because the offense is holding onto the ball. That means longer drives, and that means maybe more red zone opportunities for Javante Williams, which makes him an even more interesting fantasy ad at this current point in the season. Yeah, it's one that I do find myself looking at, and and I'm not saying just go out there and sell the farm to get him because I don't. I think you could probably negotiate him at a, a fairly reasonable price, if, especially if you're hurting a running back, which I think most people probably are. So, all right, I, I just wanted to point that out because it is a bright spot in an otherwise somewhat abysmal Broncos offense, the Bills. Let's talk about it. The Bills offense has continued to struggle. Um, and then we found out that uh, Ken Dorsey was fired Tuesday morning, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. So, Yeti, I'm going to hand this off to you and let you kind of navigate this conversation as far as where you want to take it. Yeah, man. So I'll just start off by saying that the Bills offense has mainly struggled for three, three reasons in my mind. The first reason being the play calling. So the play calling under Ken Dorsey the past two seasons has been very lackluster, especially when you compare it to Brian Dable. On this podcast, we like to say that Brian Dable, he kind of saved Josh Allen, like he is a key to unlocking Josh Allen, which I don't think the the turnovers really prove that. But if you look at the play calling, Brian Dable, he used a lot of play action. He got Josh Allen on the move a lot more. Um, the formations that he used were a lot more spread out than what Ken Dorsey was doing. So Brian Dable, he called a lot more play actions and a lot more screens than what Ken Dorsey was doing. And Josh Allen, he actually struggles a lot more, believe it or not, when he's just in the pocket on a straight drop back. He is throwing the most picks among uh, starting quarterbacks at this current point. Do you think that might be because, you know, when, when a quarterback is running a play action play, it's very fast. They, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of time. You know, it, it, the decision making is not nearly as vast as when when the quarterback's in the pocket. Perhaps that might play some of the the turnover conversation. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Because if Josh Allen, you know, he's got one or one or two reads when he's running a play action, and, and his third option is to run the ball. He's got a you know maybe three seconds to determine is he going to pass this or is he going to tuck it and run. When he's in the pocket, you know, you don't have you don't have nearly as much time either, but you have more of a decision-making ability than when you're running play action. Do you think that might play a part? I think so, yeah. I think in a big way, when Josh Allen is forced to make decisions and he has maybe more time to stand in the pocket, he likes to force things. And especially this season, he just hasn't looked comfortable all season. And and I think that has a lot to do with the play calling and just not getting into a rhythm and being able to see the defense completely. So um, obviously his turnovers... um, continue to happen yeah um so that's my second reason for why this offense struggles is is the turnovers um since josh allen has made his debut uh in 2018 buffalo has 10 games with three turnovers which is the most in the nfl but they also have 24 career games with multiple turnovers so when we talk about turnovers you know the past few years, it hasn't been that big of a deal because Buffalo has been winning and 
the turnovers have been kind of masked by the stats, right? Mm. We look at this Buffalo's offense. They are top five in nearly every category. If you want to talk about passing yards, touchdowns, scoring, you name it, they're top five for you know the past five years that Josh Allen's been a starter. But when you have a quarterback who is consistently turning over the ball, no matter who is the offensive coordinator, that becomes a huge problem. You know, uh, Josh Allen, uh, over his five-year career, or since 2018, rather, he's had 17 turnovers in his rookie season, 16 turnovers the following, 14 turnovers in 2020, 20 turnovers in 2021, Yikes. 22 turnovers last year, and then he's he to has do it 15 in turnovers. He did yeah, that on purpose. Right? Exactly. And 15 turnovers so far this year. So this isn't just an offensive coordinator thing. This is a Josh Allen problem. So he is a major part of the problem. And is I'm that, not. Is that something you think can be coached out of him, though? I mean, you you've seen the talent. We've all seen the talent that is Josh Allen. Is that a coachable thing? I mean, and everybody's going to sit here and argue one way or the other. Yes, it is or no, it's not. But at the end of the day, like, can a can an offensive coordinator, can a head coach mitigate that in your mind in in some ways i think you can by by the play calling and that's where the offensive coordinator comes into play because if you if you get josh allen on a bootleg he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league he doesn't make turnovers on those bootlegs and his quarterback rating is extremely high it's over 115 when he's on those bootleg passes which is great But because they haven't been doing that the past two years, we're seeing him make stupid decisions because he's not a quarterback that should be just dropping back and throwing the ball. In my mind, we need to get his one of his biggest weapons is his legs. So his legs. So we need to get him on the run more. But I think he likes discipline, too. He's not held accountable like some of the other teammates are because he is a quarterback. Does that make you concerned about the longevity of Josh Allen in this in in the NFL? I mean, we we've talked about this before. Eventually, your legs give out, right? And and I don't say that as in you know you're you break your legs, but I like you're not as players get older, they're not as mobile, so they have to be able to adapt and become more of that traditional pocket passer as they get older and older because they don't have the speed that they once had. They don't have the agility and the mobility that they had when they were younger quarterbacks in the NFL. So is that a concern for Josh Allen that you're speaking about how statistically he's much better when he's running the play action? Statistically, when he is mobile, he is he is more efficient. Is that a concern? Yeah. Yeah, if he sustains one major leg injury, which I hope he doesn't, or if he's limited for any period of time, I think he that's a major concern. I think he goes from a top five quarterback in the league to maybe, you know, 15 at best. Um, I just don't think he's an elite pocket passer, and he's probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks in, in our league. If you own him in dynasty football right now, would you sell him? He's a great fantasy quarterback. <laughs> sure, and that's what we're here for. Um, but like, yeah. in, if for dynasty, like, de- like, not maybe not this year, but in the offseason, like, if you're making a playoff push and you own Josh Allen, there's no way in hell you sell him. But like after the season, or do you continue to ride it and see what what the future of this offense looks like? I think there's going to be a lot of question marks on this offense going forward. So I don't think selling him in the offseason would be a terrible decision, but you would need a big hole in in return you know like i'm looking at like a multiple first round picks and and next year's drafts and then the years following 
because you're giving up a top five fantasy quarterback. And while the wheels might fall off, he still has that rushing upside for at least a couple more years. So. Yeah. Do you think, you know, when I heard this news I, or, uh, about Ken Dorsey getting fired, I I kind of smiled. I, I didn't want to say I saw it coming, but it, it definitely was not a shock to me because this offense has been rather lackluster all season and hasn't been great under Ken Dorsey. But a part of me thought to myself, is this not a scapegoat for McDermott? And that's that's another question that, that comes to mind that I, I'm curious to your opinion on is, is Sean McDermott share some of this blame and is is did he use uh, Ken Dorsey as somewhat of a scapegoat to continue his longevity in his career with uh, with the Bills organization? So I mentioned there is three reasons why I think this offense struggles or this team struggles. And the third reason is a lack of discipline, which starts with a head coach, Sean McDermott. Um, if you look at this team, they've had the most uh, they've been in the top 10 for penalty yardage in four of McDermott's seven years. So this team is just extremely undisciplined on the field, on both ends of the field, which I think stems from the head coach. Um, we, I can talk about uh, the penalties and stuff, but if you look at Sean McDermott's history with how he's handled Stephon Diggs, with how he's handled Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator that was put on leave last year and then suddenly fired and Sean McDermott took over play calling and now he's firing an offensive coordinator. Like, I, I think this is a much deeper problem than just a coordinator thing. I think it stems from the head guy. That Especially when you have guys fumbling the rock, you know, that's just a, a discipline thing. Yeah. No, it, that, that was my thought. And I, I was like, man, this seems like another, another, I'm going to do what I can to stick around as the head coach. That That's what that move signified to me. And I'm, I'm not sitting there saying that Ken Dorsey was not the problem because I, I think that there's probably some equal br- blame to be shared by all parties, but the fact that he did that signified to me that he's trying to protect his job. That's how I read that move. And so it was somewhat unfortunate. The last thing that question that I have for you, as far as the spills conversation is concerned is Stefan Diggs. You know, there has been some conversations, um, some false things floating around in the Twitter verse, and then also some true things floating around in the, the Twitter verse, as far as um, Stefan Diggs happiness, Stefan Diggs future with the bills, um, his brother, who plays for the Cowboys had had said that um, you know there was some stuff floating around that he had said and he had been talking and said that uh, Stefan Diggs was the reason Josh Allen was good or um, we've also seen and this turned out to be false but we've seen that Josh Allen or excuse me Stefan Diggs um, is not happy in that uh, Josh Allen told him to go put on a Broncos uniform now while that was untrue I, they're certainly muttering in the camp of Stefan Diggs that he is uh, once again unhappy now uh with this bills organization and and we kind of saw a little bit of that last year we saw you know at the end of the season he was he threw a little bit of a tirade and he was upset and he was frustrated and um do you think that holds ground and in where do you mentally what what are you thinking about this entirety of the the drum the dramatics that are stefan diggs uh, it's it's really hard to get into the mind of Stephon Diggs because we've seen him throw tirades when he was with Minnesota. We've seen it the past couple of seasons with Buffalo, but I do think there is some there is got to be even more concern now with this offensive coordinator getting fired because I, I don't think the offensive coordinator was a main problem. I think Sean McDermott is a main problem, and 
if you look at the way, you know, McDermott's handled these tirades, it's like, oh, Stefan Diggs is just absent. And then it's like, oh, he's back and everything's great. Like everything was swept under the rug, but maybe Stefan Diggs just has a problem with the leader. And if you if you look at what's happened with the Raiders, you know, I hate to bring them up into this conversation, but those guys, they they didn't want to play for uh, McDaniels. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering if that's going to linger into this offseason with Diggs. It's like, we're not going anywhere with Sh- uh, Sean McDermott as our head coach. So I want off this bus. I'm 29 years old um, and I, I want out. I want to win a championship before I'm done. Yeah, and I don't and think they will. That'll happen in Buffalo. I don't. I. I. He's going to be thirty by the end of the year, and yeah. then he doesn't have a potential out until twenty twenty five when he's thirty one. So, I. I don't think I would be surprised if Stefan Diggs went to the Bills organization and asked for a trade after the season. I. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they would adhere to that without getting a pretty nice return, but. I don't know. I, I there's I, I see the argument, but I also am just like, dude, play football. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Like be a good teammate, be a good a friend, be you know a good wide receiver, like you're supposed to. And but then I also see the the other side of it where he's passionate, he wants to win, he cares, and very obviously there's they're not winning games and they're not doing the things that at a, at a high caliber like they should. So I, I see both sides of the ball on that one, and I I just I don't know where the bills go from here. I think that, and I don't think Josh Allen is terrible. I don't think he is, um, for fantasy. He's great, but you know, and he is probably an upper, upper echelon quarterback, but there has to be some discipline and coaching there. That is very obviously not happening in my mind. Let me ask you this about the Buffalo organization as a whole. Do you think their championship window is gone? I think that, And I ask that because you look at what Kansas City is doing. You look at what Cincinnati is doing. You look at even um, Houston. They're a young team that's probably built to win in the next few years. Um, I think it's closing. I think it's closing. You know, on on Monday's episode, Alan brought up a, a wonderful point is that every single season, things change, right? And I and it's not just the Raiders, not just the Cardinals, but the Rams and the Seahawks and you know the the Chiefs. Every team changes. And so while you can sit there and say we still have a great team, it's always what is the other teams doing too? And I think that is something worth noting. I said at the beginning of the year, I thought the Jets were going to lead this division. Obviously that was before Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but the Jets are in third. This is a close race to be completely honest with you, and the Dolphins are currently leading it, but there is a very real possibility that the Bills finish third in this division. And I think their window is closing. They have a lot of aging assets. They have good. They have a good defense, they have a, but those pieces are older. They're starting to get hurt. We're seeing that. And then offensively, you have a good quarterback and you have Stephon Diggs. So you have to make some moves to try and keep some talent on this team. In youth as well. And, and so, yeah, I, I do think that this this window could close rather quickly, and it, it would be sad. And Josh Allen is probably not going anywhere. He'll stick around with the Bills, and they'll try and do things to still stay relevant. But, like, if you're talking about top-shelf, upper-echelon team, like, that window could be closing rather quickly for the for the Bills. 
I agree. And with Stefan Diggs' uncertainty with the Bills, who knows what this offense looks like going forward? Let's say they trade him in the offseason, then Gabe Davis is a wide receiver one, you know, depending on who they get in return and Old the draft hands. picks and stuff. But we have Gabe Davis as wide receiver one, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook, question mark. Like, what's going to happen with him in the offseason? Like, this offense could look a lot different. James next Cook year. will still be around for a little bit. So I'm that's like, I don't know. I think offensively, they really need to find a new identity, not find a new identity, but restructure their identity a bit. And, you know, that stop just peppering the deep ball with Stefan Diggs and start actually scheming up an offense. And that's something that I think is written rather lackluster for this offense. They don't have an identity. It's Josh Allen stands back there and he it, it's kind of like a shotgun air raid offense, but it's not very effective. And that's they that's the problem I have with this this Bills offense. And, and I just I don't see it going anywhere great under uh, McDermott one last question about Buffalo and then we'll move on sure um if the Bills don't make the playoffs this year does Sean McDermott get fired I'm gonna say yes I'm gonna say yeah I think you know he's he's been there a while he's he's kind of used the scapegoats on both sides of the ball at this point and yeah I, I think there is a very real possibility that his tenure is is done with the Bills if they do not make the playoffs and I also think that is like I said earlier a very real possibility Yep, I, I agree 100%. I think they're going to miss the playoffs, and then McDermott gets fired too because it's a similar situation to Brandon Staley. Yeah. If you look at these rosters, the Chargers and the Bills should not be where they are. They should be in the hunt for the AFC, but instead, they might not even make the playoffs. Yeah, and they are, they're both in difficult divisions, and I think that's probably what Sean McDermott is going to use as well as Brandon Staley when the end of the season comes around. They're going to say, do you know who our competition is? But you look at your roster, and exactly. I do think that that's the issue. So I, I think Bills fans should probably want that, to be honest with you, because I think if they have to suffer another year with Sean McDermott, what like where does the team go from there? Cut bait while you still have some talent. Move on and bring somebody in who can restructure this offense in a more positive light. Amen, brother. So, well, that was fun. I enjoyed doing that, and I uh, I hope Bills fans did not get too irritated. I have yeah, to mention sorry, Bills Mafia. Yeah, sorry, Bills <laughs> Mafia. Uh, there's bye weeks, Yeti. So we're not done with them yet. I'm going to name the four teams here very quickly. So listen up, pay attention. If you have any of these players for fantasy football, they're on bye this week. The Falcons, the Colts, the Patriots, and the Saints. Not as crazy as last week. It was like the Chiefs, and like it was just a brutal week for fantasy. The Eagles. So, yeah, it was, it was very painful. But Falcons, Colts, Patriots, Saints, if you have any of those players on your fantasy teams, they are on by. So make sure that you have fill-ins because we're trying to get you a championship. I do want to talk about something else before we talk about fantasy football and making the playoffs and some decisions there. I just briefly want to touch on Deshaun Watson because it has been a talking point in the NFL media today. He is undergoing surgery and effectively ending his season with the Browns. So I've seen a lot of hate. There is so much hate going on for Deshaun Watson and everything that has happened with him and how he's a POS and he deserves it. I'm not wishing injury on anyone, and I don't know the the entire uh, the legality. I know, obviously, of the w all the trouble he's been in, but I don't know the legalities. I wasn't in the courtroom, and I'm not going to wish ill will on a man. I think, and I, I really want to bring this up for the Browns conversation. What does this do for the Browns? Deshaun Watson this year has not looked incredible 
Deshaun Watson this year has not looked like Deshaun Watson when he was with the Texans. And now Dorian Thompson is slated to start for the Browns. The Browns have been a very good team this year. Defensively, they probably have the best defense in the NFL, or they're up there in that conversation. They're trying to make a playoff push. Is this impactful for them in a very bad way? Yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson wasn't the MVP Deshaun Watson that we we wanted to see in Houston. Um, but he's a hell of a lot better than Dorian Thompson Robinson and PJ Walker. Uh, if you look at the the splits when Deshaun Watson is in the game, they are getting nearly six yards per play when he's when he's out there. PJ Walker's on the field, it's three point six yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. So things aren't great, obviously, and teams can just kind of defenses can key in on the run. They can load up the box now because PJ Walker or Dorian Thompson Robinson really aren't threats to kill you through the air. So does it, this it kill really, Amari Cooper? I think he's okay. I think he's you won't get that wider wide receiver one upside that you you hope to get from him every week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more wide receiver two upside at this point. Like I have a hard time benching Amari Cooper um, just because he is going to get the targets and he's a reliable asset on that team. Uh, but it, it's just going to be hard to expect anything more at this point. I think David Njoku is probably safe at this point too, with with the way that he's performing. Sure, he's he's a safety blanket for the quarterback, obviously, but he looks great out there as well. He's making dudes miss, and he looks healthy. Did the Browns make a mistake in getting Deshaun Watson? Two hundred forty million dollars, man. Two hundred forty million dollars, fully guaranteed. Um, yes, I, I think they <clears throat> they completely fumbled the bag there, and they should have rode out Baker Mayfield. I mean, obviously, this is easy for me to say in hindsight. Sure, in right? retrospect, everything is, we have the answers to everything. If I if I were the Browns GM and I was fully set on Deshaun Watson, the one thing I would change about that situation is the contract because they are fully committed to Deshaun Watson, even though he's hurt. They can't mess with this contract unless Watson agrees to it. So they have to rock with the pieces they they have, and they can't really make any key moves uh, in the offseason unless Watson agrees. Got that no trade clause, so baby. Yeah, they're they're kind of handcuffed to Watson for the next three four years. So is that what it is? Let me, I'm going to pull it up here real quick, just because I do. I think it is very interesting, and I think Browns fans, yeah, they're stuck with him until 2027. He'll be 31 years old. Thanks. How about them fumbling the bag on Josh Dobbs, though? Wow. You want to talk about screwing the pooch there. Joshua Dobbs was the backup quarterback for Deshaun Watson over at the Browns. And then the Cardinals, on the very uh, beginning of the season, right before the season started, traded a what fifth or sixth round pick to get Joshua Dobbs. We took him. God dang, did we make him relevant? And then we sold him to the Vikings, who are now using him as a starting quarterback and the pastronaut has, uh, has found some new life. I, I am excited to talk about this very quickly. Uh, do you, like, has Joshua Dobbs earned himself, like, a starting role as a starting quarterback going into next year? I've I've even seen people say that he's better than Kirk Cousins or he, he like, he is he's the solution to the Vikings quarterback situation. Like, is that within the realm of possibility in your mind? I don't know if he's better than Kirk Cousins at this point, but I think I'd much rather have him than fucking Zach Wilson at this point, or Aiden O'Connell, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, even like he's definitely earned himself a starting job. It's just going to be a matter of where Um, is, is he a free agent after this year? 
I believe he is. Yeah, I'll, I'll we'll double check that right now. But I, I believe Joshua Dobbs will be a free agent. I mean, like, would you like to see him go to the Falcons? Yeah, he's a free. Yeah, agent. yeah. Would you like? I mean, would... I'll, I'll talk about him in our next segment. But uh, he has the legs, and I think if he were to go to the Falcons, that would be a pretty fun destination because he can move the pocket. He can. Move. He can yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just do it, Yeti. Let's just go ahead and go over to uh, moves to make the fantasy playoffs. So we will start with the Pastronaut. Kick it off. Yeah. So like I was kind of saying, Joshua Dobbs, he's going to be a league winner. Um, if you picked him off the waiver wires or you traded a very low asset for Joshua Dobbs, you have a league winner in your hands and don't fumble this bag like Cleveland did. Um, so Joshua Dobbs, he scored a rushing touchdown in four straight games <laughs> on two different teams. Um, and he's put up 20 points or more in his past three games, uh, again, with two different teams. So that's pretty, pretty impressive, right? I don't very, know if that's ever impressive. been done uh, in the NFL history, which if it, if it has, great. But Joshua Dobbs, you, you get a pat on the back. Um, but the big thing with Joshua Dobbs is that he has a safe floor due, due to his rushing upside. He's not afraid to tuck it and run it, which is great because you have that four to five points fully guaranteed on his side in, um, in, uh, conjunction with the pass attempts that he's going to have with Minnesota because Minnesota is a high passing volume attack. Plus they might be getting Justin Jefferson back before the end, the year's over, which can only help Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. So I, I like I'm, this. I and the thing I, I have the rushing upside is very juicy, uh, but I just I love the way he runs the ball. And that sounds really weird to say, but like he runs it really smart. It almost kind of reminds me of Patrick Mahomes a little bit where like he's still keeping his eyes down the field and still looking for a play to get move the ball down the field where he doesn't have to run it. But he also is very smart about running the ball. And that's something that I really, really enjoy about him. Like Kyler Murray, my quarterback, he looks like he's just like it's just a mad dash to try and get the first down. And it's, he's like afraid Joshua Dobbs is like, he still seems very calm when he's around the ball and he seems, he does a really good job. I, they could still go. The Vikings are still playoff contending. They're six and four and the lions are the only ones ahead of them in the NFC North at seven and two. So they're one game out of, well, they've had a couple more losses, but like they're still playoff contending for sure and and if justin jefferson comes back that only makes this even more juicy so yeah joshua Dobbs, man i'm in on him and congratulations to anybody i i mean is he a trade target for you are we let me ask you this let me this is this is a crazy question that i'm i am about to pitch you do you trade joe burrow right now straight up for joshua Dobbs? oh man um what is, let me see uh joe burrow's end of the year schedule real quick that's what it's gonna. That's what's gonna determine. Baltimore, Steelers, Jacksonville, Colts, Vikings, Pittsburgh, Chiefs. That's Joey B's. I think I would roll with Dobbs, man. You would trade Joe Burrow straight up for Joshua Dobbs. I think so. Yeah. God, if we were having this conversation at the beginning of the year in, in redraft formats, a hundred percent. Now, if we're talking dynasty, fuck no. Yeah. But yeah I yeah, think yeah. in in redrafts, like. Based off of Joe Burrow's name, you could probably get Dobbs, maybe and some and at some point, which is yeah. crazy. But, but then again, if you have Dobbs, like would would you really want Joey B? I think somebody based on name value, one hundred percent would. Yeah, I think I. I'm not saying a lot of people, but 
there there's not a ton there is a lot of people but not everybody sitting here doing a podcast about fantasy football that very clearly knows the intricacies of the numbers game and if they see Joe Burrow they're like oh man he's good I want him like yeah I think mm-hmm. I think you could for for some te- for some people so I yeah I would I would do that probably as well I was thinking like Josh yeah. Allen, but I, I was like, no, I wouldn't do Josh Allen. But, no, not Josh Allen. Not anybody that has real rushing upside. But yeah. a guy like Joey B, who his only pass to success is to throw the ball 30 times and get four pass touchdowns, basically. Eh, I'm okay with selling Joey B for Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I would do that. Um, I want to talk about Derrick Henry for just a second as a move to make in the playoffs. Derrick Henry has been rather disappointing this year. The wheels are starting to fall off. But I come here today to ask you, Yeti, would you purchase Derrick Henry right now? As a if you are running back needy, Derrick Henry is he's RB twelve on the season, but if you own Derrick Henry, you know that Tajay Spears is cutting into his playing time and it has not been fun. It has not been a fun year for Derrick Henry. I think this is the last year of drafting Derrick Henry early and uh, and his numbers show. But I come with this, this information. Derrick Henry, every year for the last few years, really, I, once it gets to the cold weather months, he really starts eating. He warms up. That's, that's prototypical Derrick Henry. I have a proposition for you. There is a very, what I deem to be pretty juicy end-of-season schedule for Derrick Henry and that being Carolina, the Colts, Houston, the Seahawks, and Houston again. And his only somewhat difficult matchups are Jacksonville and Miami. Would you buy Derrick Henry right now? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would for all the same reasons that you just said. Derrick Henry is a guy that you do not want to see in the middle of December running at you because it's fucking cold and he's a big ass <laughs> man that you can't bring down. But historically, um, when he plays Houston, he goes off, man. He had, I think he's averaging over 100 yards and a touchdown when he's facing Houston, and, and he has two matchups with Houston in the heart of the uh, fantasy playoffs. So if I can get Derrick Henry for pennies right now, yes, I would. Um, and it's not like he's not getting the volume. I think it's very game script dependent, but he's still seeing double-digit targets, which I will take 100% at this point with how much of a crapshoot running backs are. And this year has been a very crappy existence for running backs. So would you trade Puka Nakua straight up for Derrick Henry if you were? Yes. Okay. Would you trade Michael Pittman Jr. straight up for Derrick Henry? Mm-hmm. Depending on my wide receivers, but in a vacuum, yeah, I would. Okay. Chris Olave. Man, I have a hard on for Olave. I know you I do. Know. That's why I asked this question. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to Olave. Okay, and DJ Moore. Yes, I would trade. Okay, yep. okay. I just I I find that to be interesting because I know that you you do love Alave. So yeah, I mean I would be buying Derrick Henry myself, and and I own him in our our league of record, and I'm very happy that I do. But I I know that in some other leagues, Derrick Henry is probably kind of an eyesore for some people, and they they might be looking to try and squeeze value out of him. So um, I think he's a buy, and that's where I've got him labeled. Is this your pitch to trade him to me or something? Yeah, do you have Puka Nakua? Because I'll do that one to one straight. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not my pitch. I just I was I was looking at playoffs um, and I was looking at schedules, and very obviously the first place I'm going to go is my team. And so I was looking around and I'm like, man, Derrick Henry's schedule 
is pretty dang good, and that's that's why I brought it here. It's just to to share with all the brainiacs out there that are listening that Derrick Henry should be a buy at the trade deadline because his because of his schedule. So, you know who else should be a buy? Slaps. Who's that? I think Trey McBride and Rasheed Rice should be targets on everybody's radar. I will give you Trey McBride as a Cardinals fan, but Rashi Rice, the Chiefs wide receiver, that you're really buying Rashi Rice. Yeah, man. And, and the reason I'm buying Rasheed Rice at this point is because his route running has been gone up every week um, for the past three weeks that he's played or three games that he's played. Um, and he's seen five or more targets in over half of the games that he's played in the season, which is great. But I think coming off of this bye week that Kansas City is going to be drawing up more plays to get him involved because he is clearly their best wide receiver. And I'm talking wide receiver because Travis Kelsey is a tight end who is pseudo wide receiver one but Rasheed Rice is their best option and if you look at their playoff schedule they play New England they play the Raiders and they play the Bengals those are all games that they are going to throw the ball in and they're going to have success throwing the ball in obviously so I'm not saying sell the farm for Rasheed Rice but if you're looking for a a solid flex option Yeah. yeah Uh, I think as a flex option, he has very high upside. Like an ancillary, like he would be like the ancillary piece in a trade that could help you. Man, that scares me. That scares me, Yeti. I know. I, I, starting Chiefs wide receivers is not something I am very keen on doing. We're getting, we're getting crazy, I know, but it's. I do, I think, however, I like your other one that you brought to the table. Yeah, Trey McBride. Um, let's talk about the past three weeks with Trey McBride because he's had a 34% air yard share, which means he's getting the ball and, um, you know, deep down the field, and he has a 31.5% target share. Um, I know that's, you know, I said over the past three weeks and Kyler Murray's only been back for one week. But if we want to look at last week with Kyler Murray, dude had nine targets and 131 yards. He led the team in targets. Yep. And I think he's going to be even more of a focal point on this offense as Hollywood draws, you know, the top coverage from the defenses. But if we look at their playoff schedule or the fantasy playoff schedule uh, for McBride, Week 15, they play San Francisco. Week 16, Chicago. And week 17, Philly. I know San Fran and Philly matchups are kind of scary, but those are games where Arizona is going to have to throw the ball. They won't be able to run the ball, so Kyler might be back there throwing it 40 to 50 times just because they have to, which is just more volume for McBride. So uh, these are McBride and Rasheed Rice are very, I would say, cheap pieces right now that could potentially win your league. Let me ask you this. This is fun. Would you trade Mark Andrews to obtain both these players right now? And oh god. That's fun. Um that's juicy. Um Yes, I think wow, I would. I really? would. And I, I say that because of the upside that I'm getting with both of these guys. Mm-hmm. I truly think Trey McBride is a guy that could average ten to fifteen yards the rest of the season. And Rasheed right? yeah, yep. What did I say? Yards? You said yards, yeah. <laughs> well, you just, I wouldn't too, have I corrected you, but I wanted to make sure that any of the brainiacs out there listening yeah. were like, "Well, that's not a lot of fantasy points." Yeah. Well, 10, 15 yards with a touchdown. There you uh, go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> no. That, um, but I, I think this is a guy that can average double digit points, and then Rasheed Rice is another guy that I think has that upside to get mm-hmm. double digit points, which would match uh, Mark Andrews' current 
production. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I that would I mean, I own Mark Andrews and that's that's a scary proposition to let him go for that. But I I, I like Trey McBride enough that I don't know if I'm in on Rashi Rice. I get what you're saying, and I'm not saying I don't agree, but I just am that scares me because the Chiefs are the Chiefs and you know how that goes. So I I have a question for you. Would you sell Travis Etienne? I think I I would. I would, yeah. which is is not something that I think any Travis Etienne owners are very keen to to hear. I would be selling Travis Etienne right now. He's RB3 on the season, so he holds a tremendous value. You can sit there and say, "Hey, look at this. This guy is he is legit. He is a top tier. He is he's the cream of the crop in the running back room and he is the guy to own for the Jaguars." He has a very difficult upcoming schedule, Yeti, and that's really why I would look at moving on. He's got Tennessee, the Bengals, the Browns, the Ravens, and Tampa Bay, who are all pretty damn good at stopping the running back. His only easy weeks are Houston in Week 12 and Carolina in Week 17. So unless you're playing in the championship, that Week 17 doesn't even really matter anyway. I would be selling him right now but because I think he's he's in for a rough patch ahead. I really do. And I, I don't see the Jaguars. I don't think the Jaguars are a good team. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. And I think that Travis Etienne has been the focal point for that team. And going against run-stopping teams, it's going to make it very difficult for him to eat for fantasy football. I would be trading him. Thoughts? Yep. I'm not going to fault you at all here um, because the NFL is a copycat league. And obviously, not every team has a defense that San Francisco has, but I think they showed you how to get through Jacksonville, and that's to stop the run with Travis Etienne. So my question for you here for fantasy wise is would you trade travis Etienne straight up for cooper cup mm. <laughs> no probably Ooh. not for cooper cup okay i would still trade him but i would look for something else what about james connor and I was gonna say. drake london oh man <laughs> Let me look at James Conner's schedule. I can tell you their playoff schedule is not favorable, but yeah, they're not. Sam Fran, the Bears, the Eagles, <laughs> um, maybe Houston Rams and Steelers are all pretty nice for James Conner, but pro- I would probably lean towards still no. I think you can get more juice out of that out of ETN than that that trade. All right, let's do one more just for funsies. Okay. Um, let's do Kyron Williams and Nico Collins. Yes, I would do that. Okay, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Kyron Williams, when he comes back, is slated to, and he's going to be back next week. So uh, you get a running back. Kyron Williams was a top ten running back before his injury, and and unfortunately he just has been injured. But he's going to come back. He's going to play, and he also is very involved in the pass the passing work with Matthew Stafford, who is also back. So yeah, give me Kyron Williams and the Nico Collins. The upside with that kid is is beautiful and tasty. So yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yep, and I, I think selling Travis Etienne if you're looking for key pieces like a, another wide receiver is a, a great idea at this point. Now, if you're loaded and you're just rolling your league, eh, maybe hold off. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I just think that his value is going to continue to decline, and that's why I would try and sell him while he's still RB three. Because I think yeah. week over week, it's going. He's going to start to taper off a little bit. So, I would I would be moving him. You ready to move over to flex appeal? Let's get flexy. All right, let's do it, buddy.
We really need a sounder for that. I know. It makes me... I just... I'm so busy. <laughs> I'm not good <laughs> with sounders. <laughs> well, let's make one. We'll just moan like whales or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Flex appeal. All right. Flex appeal. <laughs> Here we go. All right. First flex appeal for you, Slaps. We have Tank Dell versus Arizona or Devonta Smith versus Kansas City. What are you doing, Slaps? Oh, man, that's not very nice. <laughs> I don't Here's... play nice when we're getting flexy. I know, I know. I Fudge, man. I think I think it's going to be Tank Dell for me. I think it's going to be Tank Dell. The volume he's seen over the last two weeks is, is great, and C.J. Stroud has looked tremendous. I, I don't want to take anything away from Jalen Hurts and the Eagles because they are a very good team. But the, the issue that you have with Devontae Smith is there's a lot of mouths to feed on the Eagles offense, and it is namely A.J. Brown. So I'm going to roll with Tank Dell. I still think it's kind of a crapshoot, but the Texans are they're great but not elite. And and the Eagles are elite, and so I think with them with the the Texans not being elite, I think this Cardinals game could be a little a little fun. I think it could be a little bit more fun than most people realize, and I think that it could be a little bit closer than some people think. So I would do Tank Dell in this one. So we're we're off to a, a bad start because I'm going You're doing with Smith. I'm going with Smith, and that's right. because Dallas Goddard is going to be out this week. And last year when we saw Dallas Goddard out. Devontae Smith was a PPR beast. He averaged 18 points per game without Dallas Goddard, nine targets, 89 yards, and half a touchdown in, in the games that Goddard was out. So I uh, tend to think that Kansas City is going to try to take away A.J. Brown. and uh, You don't think Devontae Albert O is going to get it done? No. No. Dang, He's no uh, Dallas Goddard. <laughs> All right. We'll see what happens. I mean, I... It, these two are crapshoots. Devontae Smith could get three targets again, and Tank sure. Dell could get two. So, like, these are both iffy. They should both be in starting lineups, I think, for the most part. But I, I'm going to roll Tank Dell. I'm going to roll Tank Dell on this one. Uh, I present to you. You ready for this, Yeti? It's kind of gross. Uh, Jalen Warren versus the Browns, or Damian Pierce versus Arizona. Oh God! I, I think Pierce lost a starting job, right? I, I that's what it looks Did you? like. He's to been me. hurt. He's been hurt. He's he hasn't been hurt. And then Singletary, he put on a hell of a show last week versus Cincinnati, man. So I think Pierce lost a starting job, um, and I think Warren was actually just announced as a starter this week he for was. for the Steelers. So yeah. which um, makes me happy. Fuck you, Najee Harris. Yeah, yeah. Fuck Najee Harris. Um, but I'm going with Jalen Warren here. The Browns have a great defense, we know that, but they're vulnerable to the run. It's not like they're not allowing running backs to run the ball at all. In fact, running backs over the past five weeks have averaged 80 yards on the ground against the Browns. So there's going to be room for Jalen Warren to run the ball. Obviously not a lot, but he's he, he could easily break a run for 20 yards and no problem. And he's getting work out of the backfield catching the ball. So yeah. I'm going with Jalen Warren over Pierce. I am as well. Damian Pierce should be playing this week. He's well, he didn't practice. Damian Pierce not practicing Wednesday. So I guess this is this question is barring Damian Pierce actually suiting up and playing, but I would be playing Jalen Warren. He got announced as a starter this week, like you mentioned, and he is looks better than Najee in a rather lackluster offense. So I will take Warren. All right. So next up for you slaps, we got Calvin Ridley versus Tennessee or 
Puka Nakua versus Pookie Seattle. Nuki. Puki Nuki. So yeah, Puka Nakua was out. Uh, I think he was injured. Um, here's the thing. Matthew Stafford is limited in practice today. He did practice, it looks like, and he was limited. Coach McVay said that he doesn't expect Stafford to have any limitations in terms of taking snaps under center. If Matthew Stafford is playing and Puka Nakua is playing, Puka Nakua is a must-start for me, period. And I understand that Calvin Ridley is supposed to be the, the, the wide receiver one for the Jaguars, and it's been Christian Kirk, which actually could potentially open up Calvin Ridley. Uh, look, I, it's Puka Nakua. You can't argue with what he has done this year with Matthew Stafford and him and the, the connection they've had. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Nakua on this. I tend to agree with you. All right. can't argue with you. Thank God. I was getting nervous. I was like, what, what kind of trap did he lay? But um, yeah, I mean, just like I said, the the volume that Puka Nakua has seen and, and what he has done has made him special. People are kind of like, he's trash. Like he's the, the honeymoon phase is worn off. And it's like, well, Matthew Stafford's been hurt. And Matthew Stafford throws the ball more than anybody else in the league. Or I won't say more than anyone else because I think Sam Howell currently wears that crown. But Matthew Stafford is in that conversation when he is healthy. So I, I like Puka Nakua. I bring to you D Hop versus the Jacksonville Jaguars or Tyler Boyd versus the Ravens. So this one is actually pretty nasty. Um, I saw T Higgins was announced as out for uh, Thursday's matchup. So Mm -hmm. that has me leaning towards Tyler Boyd. Um, I know DeAndre Hopkins is a wide receiver one for Tennessee and he's getting a good amount of targets. But if you look at how many of those targets are actually catchable, it's not great. I think less than half of the targets that he's seen from uh, Levis are actually catchable. He and DeHop has kind of turned into a boomer bust type of guy. At very this much point. so. Uh, two weeks ago, he had 11 targets and caught four of them. This last week, he had eight targets and caught three of them. So, yep. yeah, I would say pretty boomer bust. Yep. So I'm rolling with Boyd. He had 12 targets last week without T. Higgins, and I, he's going to need that same kind of production this week against Baltimore, who's going to try to take away Chase. Um, so I'm I'm rolling with Boyd. I'm comfortable. I agree that. with you too. That one I am I am on board for. Ooh. I would be starting Tyler Boyd over Scary the hour. hours. We're we're agreeing Woo. on. It. So we're getting to the witching hour, baby. Yeah, here we go, baby. The last one. Let's see if we agree on uh, this one. We have Keaton Mitchell versus Cincinnati, or James Cook versus the Jets. Slaps. What are you doing? I don't understand the love for Keaton Mitchell. I mean, I get it because for the last two weeks, he's been great for fantasy football. And I do think that he will have a more expanded role in this offense. But let's not forget like the target share here. Last week, he did see nine attempts, which was great. And he had a hundred or this was two weeks ago, nine attempts for 138 yards and a touchdown. And this last week, he only saw three attempts for 34 yards and a touchdown. I think at this point, he's still pretty touchdown dependent. And Gus Edwards is still involved in this offense. I'm going to take James Cook, who is on the field more often and still has some PPR value. I'm not saying it's going to pan out in his favor, but he is on the field and he's getting more touches and that's more opportunities. I'll take James Cook on this one. Yeah, I I guess I have to agree with you. I'm I'm hoping that the, the offensive coordinator change in Buffalo is going to get James Cook more involved than Latavius fucking Murray at this point. Me too. Um, So... I'm going to roll with James Cook, too. I, I think it, this one is really a crapshoot. 
So yeah, and I think both of them are pretty touchdown dependent as far as their fantasy football values are concerned at this point. But I, Keaton Mitchell's just not on the field as much, so I'll take James Cook. And and look, I the James Cook matchup is they're both pretty difficult matchups, so I understand that. But um, I will take the guys on the field. Speaking of guys on the field, Gabe Davis is the last one we got, and then we will go over to the Brain Busters and get the hell out of here. Gabe Davis versus the New York Jets or Zay Flowers versus the Bengals. So you brought the running backs to the table. I brought the wide receivers to the table. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for bringing the nastiest combo yeah, this is, you this is gross. could find. Yeah. And, I, you know, I saw in the show notes he put versus Ben, and I got very curious. Like, who the fuck is Ben? But. It's Big Ben himself. Zay Flowers <laughs> has to go into a closet with him, and they get to duke it out. Yikes. I don't yeah. see that being a good legal yeah. situation. No, for Big for Ben, me. absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Um, I didn't want to bring any stats to this one just because it's a it's a gut feeling on my part. I think Buffalo, with a new offensive coordinator change, they are just going to feed Stephon Diggs this week. Um, Stephon Diggs is their best wide receiver, and they need to get the ball into his hands after failing, failing to do so the last two weeks. So um, with that being said, I don't think Gabe Davis is going to play much of a part this week versus the Jets. Um, he's that we talk about Boomer Boomer bust with D Hop. That's exactly what Gabe Davis is, except he can't catch the ball. Um, so what? I'm rolling rolling with Zay Flowers, man. Um, he's no, going to get the four to five targets, uh, and hopefully he can turn that into uh, you know big chunk plays. No, I would too. I, I Gabe Davis scares me. I think it, now here's the thing. Well, I don't even want to say that. I was going to say if you're like if you're slated to be down by like 20 points against your matchup, maybe start Gabe Davis cuz that's where he shines. But Zay Flowers could even do that. So, I don't know. Not a good look. I would just sit both of them. I'd forfeit this week. <laughs> Play Tyler Algier who's on by. Uh, let's go do the brain busters and then we'll get out of here. Here's the mail it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes I want to wail. All right. First question and only question comes from George Play 01. He says, Hey guys, I'm 9 and 1. My team is Tua, CMC, Pollard Cup, Waddle Najoku, and he is flexing Olave. His bench, I'm not going to read all that. Should I trade Tua and Olave? For what? Also, I just traded away Kenneth Walker for Pollard. It was a good trade? Question mark. Traded away Kenneth Walker for Tony Pollard. I'm going to say no. I don't like that. Oh, with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker's playoff schedule coming up, I, I don't mind it, but Tony Pollard hasn't been very efficient. So it's kind of like a, it was an even move in my part, like a very lateral move. Um, I don't think you really needed to make that move, but going back to, Moving Tua and Olave, I guess it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking to maybe upgrade I mean, your wide receiver? Yeah, I, I would say I don't hate the idea. I mean, I guess I don't know what you're trying to look for, but I would say, um, yeah, go ahead, do it. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to trade for. I, look, I don't, I'm fine with that. I just think that it should be even. So here's what you'll do, George Play 01. When you have a decent, what you believe to be a decent trade, come DM us over on Twitter at Leatherbrains, and we will help you. How's that sound? Does that sound good, Danny? Okay. Hope that answers your question, George Play. We appreciate it. And that is all the time that we have, Yeti. It has been a fun episode, but I need to use the restroom, so I think it's just time to get out of here. 
If anybody is watching or listening, please hit subscribe. does mean the world to a small podcast such as ourselves. And uh, we had a milestone today. We had 27,000 followers on Twitter. Pretty cool. So golf climbs for that. Thank Appreciate you, everybody's continued support. Truly, it does mean the world. And uh, it is so fun doing this thing. And uh, we couldn't do it without you. So all the brainiacs out there that are uh, submitting questions or retweeting our tweets or tweeting at us, love it. Love to see it. And uh, keep it coming because we're here for you. So, Getty, let's get out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.